Hi, and welcome back to Seppa Stories. And this reading is another Harry Potter-inspired fanfiction. I will preface my reading by first saying that none of the characters or storylines, plotlines, universe, merchandising, souls of characters or original writers are owned or are plagiarized in any way by the fanfiction writer or by me, the reader of this lovely work. That was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but... Um, this is really just an appreciation and love of the original Harry Potter um, universe that has inspired this wonderful piece of fan fiction and the many wonderful pieces of fan fiction that exist out on the internet today. So without further ado, let's dive into this new reading. I am so excited to share this author's writing with you. This writer's name is, uh, or her tag is, Call Me Alley Cat, and that is C-A-L-L-M-E-A-L-Y-K-A-T. I spelled it out because it's kind of unusual. It's not spelled how it sounds. It's all one word. And the fan fiction piece that I'll be reading tonight or today came from fanfiction.net and that web address is www.fandiction.net so if you're looking for the story try there first um, the story is titled Draco's Letters so a little bit about the header and this does have a nice piece of fan fiction, like a little square um, it's like a little picture and it's almost like her call sign photograph. So um, the description written by Call Me Alley Cat says the first time Draco had mentioned Hermione Granger, her son was complaining about her buck teeth. Draco's letters to Narcissa. This is a one shot, which means that it's a one piece short story. So this doesn't have multiple chap chapters. It is a Draco and Hermione, uh, Hermione eventual pairing. It is considered fluff with elements of humor, and it is rated T for teen, um, for language mainly. The writer would like to hear feedback from you, so if you do go on to fanfiction.net, uh, go ahead and sign up with the membership, and if you read this piece, you are able to leave reviews or show kudos or follow and that would be great. You can also click on the hyperlink, which is the author's call tag, Call Me Alley Cat, and you'll be able to see a listing of the other pieces this particular writer has written. So um, with that, this piece is titled Draco's Letters, and we will begin reading this wonderful piece of fiction now. The first time Draco had mentioned Hermione Granger, her son was complaining about her buck teeth. A week into Hogwarts, it was his first letter to home. She had missed him terribly, and she had gone as far as to beg Lucius to let her fire call him through Severus's office, but the buffoon, the buffoon had put his foot down. The annoying man had wanted their son to know what it was like to be independent. No, Sissa. We don't want to smother the boy, he had said, as if he wasn't noticeably missing their son as well. 
The large manor halls felt extra empty without the random peals of laughter as her Draco pulled pranks on the elves, or the tracks of mud that he brought into the house after he played Quidditch across the grounds. She even missed the messes he would make as he experimented on potion kits and baubles and oddities that his father spoiled him with. She had given him a stern lecture after he turned an entire section of the dungeon neon green, but she found herself wanting to cry when she saw the particular color again in one of the pages of which weekly she missed her little boy so much. Well, what did he say? Lucius called from across the table. Hush, I'm just about to read it. She reprimanded him, serves him right from stopping her from calling her son. She sneaked a glance at her husband, noting in satisfaction at his feeble attempt of hiding his excitement. He had pretended to be aloof as Draco had grown up, knowing that it wasn't proper in their society to openly dote on their children. But she knew that her husband adored their son as much as she did. Her attention returned to the letter once again, and she continued to read. Mother, Hogwarts is amazing, but not as grand as the manor, though. I like our grounds better as well, but that's probably because the groundkeeper doesn't seem to bother to actually do groundkeeping. I've been well, and the food here is passable, but I prefer the sweets our elves make. Narcissa faintly smiled at her son's haughtiness, amused. It was their fault, really. She had spoiled him too much, but she could never resist his pleading smile. She made a mental note to ask the elves to make sweets for her to send. He could survive a little more spoiling. He was away from home, after all. The glasses are fun, and I especially like potions, mostly because Uncle Sev keeps tormenting Potter. The insults he comes up with. You should hear them, Mother. It made me laugh so much once that I almost fell out of my chair. Speaking of Potter, you should see the company he keeps utterly disgraceful, if you ask me. He made friends with Weasley. Can you believe it? I don't even understand why Father wants me to befriend him. He obviously has no taste. The other people in our year aren't much interesting as well. They're all incredibly dumb. It's a wonder that Uncle Sev doesn't ban half our class from Eva entering his labs. Well, maybe, except for one. But she's a mudblood, and she's such an unbelievable squat. She frowned at his use of profanity. She would need to talk to Lucius about letting her son hear such crass words. It's like she memorized our textbooks, what with the way she keeps on preparing them in every class. It's annoying. She acts so high and proud, but it's also obvious she has no friends as well. I, for one, wouldn't come near her with a ten-foot pole. I'm afraid her absurdly wild nest of hair might eat me. Aside from her atrocious hair, Granger has buck teeth too. Mother, you would be disgusted when you see how much of it covers her mouth when she smiles. It makes her look like a beaver. And you won't believe me if I tell you how much time she spends in the library. She practically lives there. It's annoying, the way she answers all the questions in every class. I plan to work harder to take her down a peg or two. Perlin knows she needs it. Please tell father that I'll write to him soon as well. I've got to go. Crab and Goyle will be abysmal to deal with if we miss breakfast. I'm afraid they'll eat a classmate if I don't make sure they're fed. Draco. 
It looks like this letter's mine, she said, grinning cheekily at her husband. She tucked the missive into her robes and rose from the table. Your Draco tells me will come later. She laughed in satisfaction as Lucius visibly frowned. Serves him right. The second time Draco had sent her a letter, it contained a week's worth of tally on how many times Hermione Granger raised her hand in class. She rushed to open the letter, grinning at the thought that hers was obviously heavier than the one addressed to Lucius. Mother, thank you for the sweets. I feed the rest of the ones I don't finish to crab and goil throughout the day. You've probably saved countless lives by sending treats to keep them fed. You won't believe what happened on Halloween. A troll got past the castle's defenses and made Quirrell faint. I saved a memory for you so you could laugh at him too when we get home. I miss you, Mom. She was surprised, not just by the presence of the troll, but also by the last sentence. Her son, young as he was, showed her as much affection as Lucius deemed proper, which was to say not much. She traced the sentence with her fingertips, struggling not to burst into tears. The days are getting cold, and the lessons aren't much of a challenge. I've been trying to surpass Granger with all my effort, but she still manages to pull ahead in a little swat. She raised her hand two hundred and forty-three times just this week. It was absurd. She sends out her hand. She sits in her seat as if she's just waiting to jump. It's unsightly. She's like that even in history of magic. I can't even keep my eyes open long enough to get through the class. The ghost we have for a teacher just drones on and on. Half the class is asleep by the time he's finished his third sentence, but Granger just sits there, alert through it all. She can even take notes. It's bloody annoying. Narcissa chuckled, remembering the old professor honestly. She herself barely tried in that class, and if it wasn't improper for a pure-blood witch of her status to cut class, she probably wouldn't have bothered coming. This was also the second time she had heard about the Granger girl from Draco. It made her curious to see her son pay such attention to another, but it was probably born from his competitive nature. As long as the girl continued to beat his marks, Narcissa would probably never hear the end of it from her son. That's all that's interesting that's happened since I last wrote you. And to answer your last letter, no, I do not want to be friends with Pansy. After all these years, Mother, I still can't stand her. You know that. I've already pushed her into the pool last summer, and she still hasn't backed off. So please, start scheming with her mother. And before you deny it, I know you do it. I've seen the letters Mrs. Parkinson sent to Pansy. Draco. Narcissa sighed, smirking at how fast Draco had caught on. Pure bloods tend to arrange unions from an early age, and it was her favorite hobby at the moment. Draco had expressed his distaste with Pansy since they were in nappies together, but she didn't let it bother her. They were young. They might grow to like each other yet, but even if they didn't, there were a few girls that would still do quite well for her son. She sighed happily, tucking the letter away and humming as she con conjured a quill and a parchment to pen a note to Belladonna. They were going to have so much fun. The third time Narcissa heard about Hermione Granger in Draco's letter, it was to complain again about her hair.
Mother, you wouldn't believe it, but Potter was allowed to play for Gryffindor. It's so bloody and fair. First years aren't allowed even to own their own brooms. I already wrote to Father about it, but it still makes me so mad. The whole thing's unfair. I hope they kick him out. It's favoritism. That's what it is. Narcissa had been shocked when Lucius told her about the exceptions made for the Potter boy. It was dangerous, that's what it was. She cared little about Quidditch, but everyone with a brain knew that it was a dangerous sport, and it was only right that the first years shouldn't be allowed to join the teams. It was as if Dumbledore actually wants the Potter boy dead. She snorted in disgust, hiding the gesture behind her hand. She readjusted herself and directed her attention back to the letter. Hogwarts is the same, but not, because of course it keeps on changing every day. The classes are still interesting, though, although a bit remedial. I honestly don't understand how Crab and Coyle are flunking them. It's expected, because they're rather slow, but it's annoying to have to tutor them on a levitating charms, for heaven's sake. So we learned those during the first week. I remember Granger got those right on her very first try. Of course she did, the annoying little swat. But as annoying as that was, it was satisfying to hear her correct Weasley with his pronunciation of all things. Speaking of Granger, I swear, Mother, her hair wants to eat me. I passed by her in the corridor yesterday, and my hand, no, my whole arm got caught in it. It's a menace, that's what it is. It's distracting, especially in potions, because it swells to twice its size, especially when it's humid. I have half a mind to give Uncle Seth a formal complaint, but I haven't. We both know he'll hate that. Narcissa laughed, imagining the look of annoyance Severus would sport to that. Her Draco, it seemed, hadn't gotten over his competitive streak with the Granger girl. It was all he talked about during the holidays, Granger this and Granger that. There was even a mention of a dragon, but the bulk of her son's attention was on the apparently absurd fact that Granger, goody two-shoes that she was, and in Draco's exact words, would let the oath Hagrid keep such a dangerous creature in the castle. Narcissa was used to it by now. She had suspected that her son had developed a sort of crush on the girl. It was adorable, although entirely inappropriate because of her blood status. Narcissa didn't actually care for it any more. The war was past, and the Muggleborns weren't half bad when trained properly, but there were still expectations for the future of the Malfoy line. The infatuation would eventually fizzle out, and she knew that Draco had been conditioned to avoid her kind. The belief had been drilled into his head since the day he could understand simple sentences. The rest of the letter was filled with requests for even more sweets and more talk of Quidditch. Narcissa smiled, tucking the letter away. She missed her little boy, and she couldn't wait for the next one. The last letter that she would ever read about Hermione Granger brought her to tears. She was old now, her porcelain skin laden with wrinkles, her joints kept her up at night, and even the strongest of pain potions couldn't quiet down the ever-persistent ache of her bones. She was dying of cancer, of all things. It was a disease that even the best of magic couldn't cure. Carefully, she gave the eagle owl a treat. 
It was the fourth of its kind, as her son had always preferred the species. Taking the letter and opening the envelope, she began to read. Mother, Lyra gave birth to a boy last night. It was a big baby, all squirming in tears. We'll bring him round to meet you as soon as they get settled in their chateau. I couldn't bring myself to believe that my little girl had a little boy of her own. I refused to even think about the details of how my grandson came to be. I asked Granger to obliviate me when they told me that she was pregnant. She, of course, little swat that she is, refused. I have taken to completely ignoring the relationship between my daughter and the Potter boy. It was an immaculate conception for all I care. In my eyes, she is still the quiet child who used to follow me around. How did you ever get used to it? The idea that I wasn't a child anymore, that I was all grown up, that I myself was having children. I don't think I understand how you handled it with grace. I know I barely keep myself in check whenever I see the Potter boy. Will this feeling ever go away? I know you might laugh, but I'm serious. I could barely accept seeing Lyra grow so much, so fast. I don't even want to begin to think about what would happen when Scorpius graduates or when Leo starts to date. Oh, Merlin forbid, if Karina decides to take the path her sister went through. I truly shudder at the thought. Narcissa laughed, smiling fondly at the letter. She was excited to meet her new great-grandson, another little darling to spoil. She wondered if she could guilt Lyra into staying at the manor just so she could see them more. Traveling because of magic was convenient, but with her old body, even fluing was tedious, let alone apparating. Hermione tells me you've been corresponding. I know that you've already rejected her, but I wanted to ask myself, just in case you'd agree, if it was me who asked, though I seriously doubt it. I know you favor her more than me, which I detest. Live with us, mother. There's more than enough room in our house. We could even set up a parlor for you. Just think about the possibilities. Your grandchildren, able to terrorize, just to knock away during the holidays. We'd be there, although I strongly advise that you avoid our wing of the house, because the next sentence was smudged with dark ink erased. But Narcissa had a feeling she knew what was previously written, and honestly, he didn't need to redact it. It wasn't as if she was still affronted by the blatant crass behavior Draco and his new wife frankly, frequently got into. She was used to it by now, especially after the early years. I'm so sorry. It wasn't as if she was still affronted by the blatant crass behavior Draco and his wife frequently got into. She was used to it by now, especially after the early days of their marriage, when Narcissa still popped into their flue unannounced. After a particularly starting image of her son and daughter-in-law together, she made it a point to send hassles ahead of whenever she visited. Hermione made me cross it out, as if you don't already know. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. If you are still set on staying at the manor, Hermione has proposed a compromise. We want to take care of you, Mum, as you deserve. I know that you would say that you're not old and you don't need our help, but it wouldn't be a bother, truly. We want to spend more time with you, and Hermione especially insisted that we do. She wants us to move into the manor. Narcissa gasped. 
knowing how much strength and true concern it must have taken her daughter-in-law to make such an offer the girl had wanted to move into the house where she was tortured to take care of a woman who had watched as she was hurt and debased her vision suddenly blurred tears threatening to spill over draco had said it again and again in his letters that his witch was incredible narcissa had believed it but it was only now that she just felt how deep her son's words ran true she's i don't know how to say it mom there are no other words to describe how amazing she is she's willing to go to such lengths because she knows i love you and not only because of that but she genuinely cares for you a lot we've talked about it and i even tried to talk her out of it but she wouldn't budge her stubbornness knows no bounds so please spare me endless hours of nagging and agree we're already packed just send the word and we'll be there draco dabbing away her tears of appreciation. She carefully tucked the letter away in a box that held hundreds of others. Hermione Granger, she thought, shaking her head in wonder. There was never any doubt that there had been a strong bond as they had grown closer over the years of her son's marriage, but she would have never but she would never have expected such generosity and concern even from her saint of a daughter-in-law it seemed like she would never stop owing the girl for saving draco from a fate that was like that of his late father from giving her plenty of grandchildren to dote on and for loving her as if she were her mother she had lived a happy full life who knew that such happiness would come from the bug-tooth know-it-all that her son had wrote to her to complain about all those years ago narcissa stood up making her way towards the east wing of the house there were preparations to be made with the well-practiced authority honed through decades of controlling the household she called for an elf and that, my dear friends, is the end of Draco's letters. So thank you, Call Me Alley Cat, for a wonderful, wonderful short story and for your permission to read this really wonderful. Hi, and welcome to Sepha Stories. I am so sorry if my. Um, kind of review of Draco's letters cut off a little abruptly. I have had all kinds of technical issues getting this particular post up and running. So I wanted to just talk very quickly about Draco's letters written by Call Me Alley Cat and just give you a little bit more information. I really loved Draco's letters. To me, I think Good writing sometimes follows the pattern of other good writers, and this kind of recalled to me Dracula, not in the sense of vampires or things like that, but it's kind of an epistolary type writing where you have, um, and I probably mis mispronounced that terribly, but this is when you have epistles is what I'm trying to think. This is where you have a story told in the form of letters or maybe newspaper clippings or uh, diary entries. And so having Draco's letters unfold and be 
be told in the form of Draco's letters to Narcissa from his first year and then the break and then you see that this passage of many years between first year to where now Narcissa is an older lady and you know of course dying of cancer and she has kept all hundreds of letters you know I guess that she's received from Draco because that's her son and I I loved the story being told with the letters with Narcissa's personal thoughts interjected in between I really thought that it was effective use of that type of writing and quite frankly I'd like to see more of that you know I, I thought it was really well done it was a, a really fun device to see work well and I thought that was really quite wonderful so I don't know if it was intentional to maybe follow that type of, of style of writing but it was really effective for me as a reader in reading the story out loud I thought it it was effective in reading it to present it you know because you're having to base what's happening in the story with no other information other than what you're being told within the body of the letter and I think that's awesome so kudos to you call me alley cat because you totally nailed this that was one of a, a really strong use of that style of writing and I really I think that's actually what stood out to me when I saw this on fanfiction.net and wanted to share this is that that was uncommon I hadn't seen that you know in a lot of fan fiction so it was a unique style and thank you for bringing this you know up to to be shared in such a way it really worked beautifully so with that I give this also an owl for outstanding this was really well done you certainly exceeded my expectations on this it was really wonderful and I'm really looking forward to diving into more of call me alley cats other pieces and recommendations so we will see you next time I just wanted to more fully elaborate on things that worked for me with Draco's letters and I had thought about it last night and I was thinking about what I wanted to say about this particular piece of writing and I just really so very much appreciate the care and craft being put into these stories you know this is really well done so thank you for entertaining us with your take on you know playing with characters in the Harry Potter universe it's very much appreciated and you know it's it's wonderful keep writing keep writing all right we will see you next time and thank you for joining sepa stories <laughs>